Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. You've heard us talk on this program about retrenchments expected to spike because of COVID-19. Today we ask, does investing change with retrenchments on the horizon? How should you approach using cash for investing? And how can investors price in the pandemic into their trades? What aspects of investor psychology should one be aware of when investing or deciding not to make a move in unprecedented Unprecedented times like a global pandemic. For the answers, I'm joined by Wilfred Lim and Adrian Chia, both executive director of BMFA Wealth Management. For starters, good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Hi, morning, Michelle. Good, good morning, morning Michelle. Great of you to join us again. I've been wanting, I've been looking forward to speaking with both of you. Uh, first up, have we seen investment decisions dramatically change because of this pandemic? Wilfred, you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. So um, it's surprising that uh, investors have become very polarized. Um, there, there's no, um, you know, one one direction where oh everyone's fearful and risk averse. Mm. Uh, it's actually very polarized between the risk-taking uh, investors as well as the risk-averse investors. So uh, we saw it, especially in March, um, there was a lot of uh, bottom fishing, everyone's trying to catch the falling knife and um, trading on news as well. Uh, whereas on the other hand, um, a lot of clients, they just didn't want to look at the news, they just wanted to hold on to cash and see what happens after this. Yeah, I've been curious as to whether or not different demographics display different risk profiles as well. What do you think? Has, been, has there been a difference in terms of different demographics and their uh, what they've been doing with their investment portfolios? Yeah, yeah, uh, Michelle. Uh, I Adrian, think uh, yeah. yeah, this 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 is gonna this is gonna affect uh, different groups of people differently. Mm. Uh, I've, I've taken a look at some uh, some data and some research uh, the past week or so. Mm -hmm. So uh, basically, we're gonna just try and uh, break it down into uh, three different groups. Uh, the first group, uh, you know, those in their 20s to their early 30s. Uh, the second group, uh, the middle 30s to their 50s. Mm -hmm. And the last group, uh, those are 50s onwards. Okay. For each group, um, we are just going to break it down even further what they should be looking out for uh, in the short term, medium term and long term. Great. So um, basically, let, let's just start with, with the first group, uh, those in their 20s to their early 30s. Mm -hmm. uh, these, these people, you know, are typically characterized uh, with uh, them being in their early career. <clears throat> they have minimal savings, uh, probably minimal debt. And also probably looking to make a big expenditure sometime down the road. Uh, but in the short term, I think with uh, retrenchment on the horizon, or maybe some of them have already been retrenched, uh, the first priority is probably to, to try and secure new employment. Right. Um, this group of people, uh, they, uh, they have a little bit more time, so they can actually afford to explore a variety of opportunities across different uh, roles and sectors to try and uh, get themselves re-employed. Um, at the same time, uh, they should also try and minimize expenditure and make sure that they can actually stay afloat on their current cash reserves. We have to be mindful that this group of people probably have not much savings as compared to the other two groups. Mm. All right. 
during the short term, uh, you can. I mean, if you are investing, you ha- you have been investing, you can actually uh, take a pause. You know, probably refrain from making new investment purchases until you secure employment. Um, for those with existing portfolios, it's a good time to reassess the holdings and and also reallocate if necessary. Um, those uh, these guys also in the medium term, like I said, they probably look to make a big expenditure. Uh, they're at a stage where maybe they want to get married or they want to maybe purchase a home. Mm. Uh, probably need to look, relook their budget and their timeline as well. Um, Long term for this group of people, um, if they have retirement uh, in mind um, for their retirement funds, I, I find it very hard to beat uh, CPF ordinary account 2.5% risk free rate. That is very hard to beat. Right. Uh, but but for guys that want uh, higher yields, you know. It's, I mean, the CPF investment scheme has a variety of funds for them to look at. So I think these are some of the things that uh, this first group of people, those in their 20s to early 30s, uh, have to think about at this point in time with uh, retrenchment and the job market but not really looking so good going forward. All right. Yeah, so it sounds so, like, uh, um, you know, yeah. prioritize cash flow for this particular yes. group. Yes, correct. Um, and, and, you know, retirement then, perhaps further back mm-hmm. on the back burner. So you have the, the next group to talk about, the 30s yes. to the 50s, right? Yes, the 30s to the 50s. I think this group of people uh, are going to feel uh, the, 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 the brunt of, of the, the impact. Uh, so these guys, typically, they are mid to mature career. They have some savings. You know, they are working already towards their retirement goals. Uh, in their course of their life, they've also built up uh, a sizable <coughs> household expenditure and, and, and elderly to care for and whatnot. Um, they've also got a build-up of, of debt and liabilities. So uh, in the short term, same like the first group, you know, they need to secure new employment. Uh, these guys with their experience, you know, they probably can leverage on that and, and possibly consider transposing some of those uh, capabilities that they've garnered throughout the years to a mm-hmm. different industry, uh, those that are more relevant moving forward. Uh, secondly, as, as you've mentioned, prioritize uh, positive cash flow. Um, the government and MAS have, have come up with uh, very helpful measures to help us uh, defer mortgage and tax payments, for example. So these guys need to take take advantage of that. Uh, at the same time, they need to remove any unnecessary liabilities to actually avoid interest payments. Use all these ca- extra cash on hand to actually beef up their emergency cash reserves. Uh, in terms of lifestyle, you know, choose more affordable alternatives. Instead of, you know, even after the lockdown is over, you want to take your family out for, for meals and everything, I think try and cut that down in terms of frequency. Mm-hmm. Uh, same, t- same, refrain from making new investment purchases until employment is secured. Uh, also reassess the holdings and reallocate your, your, your holdings in your portfolio if you have one. Uh, in the medium term, uh, I mean, if most of these guys, they, they have mortgage loans to service. Right. So, um, for the next one to two years, as we know, you know the, the, the Fed's not going to raise interest rates uh, much. So the whole interest rate environment for the next two years or so is going to remain low. So I think uh, they can look at their mortgage and take advantage of the low interest rate environment currently to refinance their existing home loans if they haven't already done so. They need to save on interest payments because every bit counts at this point in time. Um, in the long term... Uh, they can contrib- continue contributing towards their retirement plans, but maybe consider uh, putting in smaller amounts, but it shouldn't stop. Uh, going, funds going into the retirement funds uh, shouldn't stop at all. 
but maybe consider smaller amounts. All right, and um, the 50s and up now, right? Because yeah. I've been wanting to do a show. There are people out there wondering, I was planning to retire this year. Should I just put that off? Uh, actually, I think this for, for the 50s and up, uh, this could be an opportunity for, for early retirement. You know, mm. uh, This group of people, uh, probably uh, we see a lot of them having a sizable amount of savings, uh, probably little to no debt. If they have an investment portfolio, it's, it's probably mature and actually uh, giving them some passive income. And this group of people are actually looking forward to enjoying, enjoying their golden years. So in the short term, you know, if they've already built up a sizable amount of assets and reserves over the, over the years, they need to ask themselves, uh, is, is whatever amount in my nest egg uh, enough? You know, if it's enough, maybe it's, it's time for early retirement. And uh, if it's not enough, then how do I prioritize whatever I have in my nest egg? Mm. You know, uh, maybe maybe the priority would be to clear any outstanding liabilities you have. You know, because at this stage of your life, mm-hmm. and with what's going forward, you don't want to be making any unnecessary interest payments uh, right now. So um, that's that's what they need to look out for in the short term. Uh, in the medium term, you know, uh, with their investment portfolio, maybe it's time to reallocate uh, to take a more a conservative stance, you know, trying to reduce the volatility on their portfolio mm-hmm. and make sure that they they enjoy the regular passive income that they've been enjoying. Uh, longer term out, uh, it's uh, they probably have their minds on uh, asset distribution, how they can do that equitably uh, moving forward. So I think um, there's a lot of things that, that, that we can look at uh, for, for different groups in terms of demographics, but I think first and foremost is... Uh, like you mentioned, uh, try and try and get positive cash flow to tide over the the, the near near term. He's Adrian Chia, executive director of BMFA Wealth Management. Uh, Wilfred, I want to bring you into the conversation. Yeah, how well positioned? Yeah. If we take a step back, how well positioned are Singaporeans to invest with the money that they have? I understand you came across an interesting survey. Late yes. 2019, a Business Insider survey. So, you know, because I've been talking to a lot of people and they, they, they think, oh, the markets are low, we need to get in now. But if we take a step back, really, it, it's quite scary to hear that, what, 50% of Singaporeans don't have six months expenses and emergency funds? Tell us more. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll let Adrian take that. Okay, let me just chime in on that. Um, actually, uh, that's one of the challenges that we are seeing. Uh, we, we came across a, a survey like you mentioned, late last year by Business Insider before the whole COVID-19 episode blew up. So, like you mentioned, half of those people in Singapore don't have at least six months of emergency expenses, uh, of expenses emergency funds. Mm. And uh, 20% of us don't even have one month of emergency cash. And from there, 30% of Singaporeans don't even invest. And I think this is likely the same group of people that don't have the emergency funds. So, um, we, I mean, judging from the fact that, you know, the economy and, and, and uh, the societal normalcy will probably come back uh, maybe in 2022. Last, in the past, we used to, to always advocate having at least six months' worth of emergency cash. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, given the current situation, you need to increase that to maybe nine months or even 12 months, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we cannot emphasize the importance of, of positive cash flow enough during this period. Because there's so much uncertainty out, out there. We don't know uh, when businesses will come back online. If you've lost a job, we don't know how long it is you're going to take to, to get re-employed and at the same rate of income that you were previously uh, enjoying. Mm. Um, so 
if if clients or if, if investors really want to to participate in the market, uh, they they can only do so if they've done their sums and only do so with excess cash. Because right now, one of the greatest challenges that we have mm-hmm. uh, is we see a real disconnect between the real economy and the stock market. All right, the real economy. I mean, since we spoke with you six weeks ago, thirty million people in US have been unemployed. Right. So, so that's, that's a very current and immediate near-term reality that we are facing. But April itself for the stock market, it has run up. You know, it's the best month since, I don't know, 1980, 86, 87. So, so there's this real disconnect that even analysts and, and, and uh, a lot of government authorities, they find it very difficult to make any any um, accurate calls you know, amidst that's all of it. this uncertainty. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah, that's why we wanted mm-hmm. to do this. And so when it comes to understanding um, investor psychology, uh, I wonder if you could define for us, there, there are three aspects I understand to investing psychology that investors maybe want to keep in mind when they think about whether or not they should enter the market. Yes, so um, whatever Adrian has discussed in terms of the three different demographics, right, um, it's to deal with their personal finance because if you don't have a cash reserve set aside and you're investing with money that uh, you can't afford to lose or you, you need to use it in the next one to two years, mm. uh, it's it's going to make you uh, make a lot of bad decisions uh, because you're going to be emotion, uh, emotionally uh, investing in the markets, right? <clears throat> uh, and investing according to how you feel, uh, most often than not, you're going to lose money. Right. So the, the three aspects uh, that we're going to talk about uh, of investing or trading, firstly is strategy, uh, and then risk management, and lastly psychology. So um, for strategy, you know, it's the most uh, talked about out there because it's the most exciting, right? But whatever best strategies that you have, uh, it's going to fall apart if you don't keep your psychology in check. Same goes for risk management. Um, you're going. To, you're not going to risk 100% of your portfolio into a single stock, uh, especially in times like this. So, um, for psychology, why is it so important? Um, because the human mind, uh, I said to say, is actually very weak. Uh, we made a lot. We make a lot of irrational decisions. Mm. So, uh, a common uh, cognitive bias or emotional bias that uh, a lot of investors out there, or even myself, sometimes. Uh, face is loss aversion. So through the years, you know, our brain has been hardwired to avoid pain, right. right? So as a result, we don't like to take losses. And because of that, in the investing world, uh, we tend to sell our winning stocks or winning investments with minimal profits and hold on to losing investments and hoping that they will, they will bounce back, right? We rather, you know, take that small gain <coughs> and then not realize our losses so that we avoid this this pain of losing. Um, either that or investors just hold on to cash and wait out for guaranteed return products. Yeah, so um, that also leads to some cost uh, fallacy uh, where whatever, you know, investors have, uh, they're in a paper loss, um, they want to, to make back their losses, they end up, instead of only holding onto bad investments, they may even uh, double down on their investments, right? But if you take a step back and look, um, why are you doubling down on a bad investment when there are so so many other opportunities out there? Yeah, so uh, a third one also is uh, regret aversion. 
So a lot of uh, investors or clients that I've met um, along the way, they tend to go with the default decision of not doing anything because they're so afraid of, of regretting, right? Whether they are already invested or not. If they're already invested, um, they don't want to sell a losing investment because for fear that it may bounce back and they regret. Wow. Uh, if they're not invested, then they just want to hold on to cash because they're afraid that after they buy, uh, and they think that more often than not, they're going to lose money. So they end up not doing anything. And that's why also we see a lot of uh, Singaporeans actually not invested. Right, yeah. right. Because they just don't want to face that regret. So better stay on the sidelines and do nothing. So that can be yeah. par- paralyzing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, there, there's a next step to that. If you sit there and not do anything mm-hmm. and then prices start to move, sometimes it will lead to trend chasing as well. Where, you know, we, we saw that uh, last month when the stock markets rebounded about 30%. Um, right at the beginning, everyone was fearful, but it's only in the last one or two weeks where investors are start, starting to question, oh, is this going to be a V-shaped recovery? Am I missing out? I think I'm going to go in now. And then you see stock markets starting to sell off uh, as we go into May. Right, right. Are, are we seeing more people, you know, get into asset classes that is perceived as, you know, defensive? Or are, are we seeing more interest in things like ETFs, for example, mutual funds, taking away from the need for investors to sort of pick stocks themselves? Um, I think it's, there are more, um, as I mentioned before, traders coming into the market. Uh, on this, uh, investing and trading volume has actually increased. Mm. Yeah, if you look at the earnings, uh, you know, close to heart, we have IFAS, they reported a 127% uh, year-on-year net profit increase uh, because of increased trading volume. UBS as well, their Q1 net income was up 40% year-on-year. Uh, because of the volatility, they have higher trading volumes. So I think investors... Uh, have been sitting on cash and waiting for this crash to come mm. and they are they are pouncing at the opportunity right uh, mm-hmm. yeah but but we have to be aware that like Adrian mentioned the economy is is not reflecting uh, what the stock market is reflecting at this point in time so I'll- are we seeing a tendency towards people investing with their emotions? You know, people looking at what Warren Buffett is doing, trying to mirror that, or people looking at these um, newsletters that come their way that, that, that allow them to mirror a successful trader, for example. What do you think are, are we seeing emotional investing in your opinion? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, especially in, in March, on the way down, uh, emotions were telling everyone to sell and hold cash. And um, towards the tail end of, of April, everyone was uh, trying to get back in in, in fear of missing out. Uh, but it's, it's interesting to note that in the latest letter to shareholders by Warren Buffett, he's actually increasing his uh, cash allocation and uh, selling off his, his airline holding. Yes, yes. Yeah. So he's sitting on his cash pile. Yeah, he's increasing his cash. He's saying that there's, there's not much uh, opportunities out there at this point in time. So interesting. What would you say are some of the greatest challenges investors face currently? And do you have any tips for them? Uh, yeah, uh, Adrian, go ahead. Okay, uh, I think we, we mentioned some of the challenges already, uh, the disconnect between the real economy and the stock market mm-hmm. and, and the fact that uh, maybe, maybe let's not bring it too far, maybe locally, 
uh, half Singaporeans don't have the, the six months emergency uh, funds that they, they should have. Uh, so I think the very real challenge now is whether they have enough cash reserves mm. first to, to tide over the period with their living expenses and whatnot because there are a lot of costs they are running, right? Your your mortgages and, and your, your bills, payments and all that. So you first need to get through that before you even think about whether you should start investing or not. But uh, I, I just want to go back to, to something that you m- mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, Michelle, when it comes to defensive assets and whether uh, mutual funds and ETFs, you know, they, are they worth a look right now? Uh, I think these, these things, are, they are always on the top of all, all investors' heads and all our clients like to talk about it. Hmm. Uh, during this period of time, uh, adopting a very defensive uh, stance when it comes to asset allocation is important. Um, typically, you know, people look at fixed income uh, as a defensive asset class and, and equities. They can be they can be a defensive play as well. But uh, we both need to bear in mind that uh, whether it's fixed income and all equities, you know, you you need to look at quality companies that have have very strong balance sheet in order for them to tie through this period. Um, when you break it down further into sectors, you know, we like healthcare. Uh, utilities, uh, telecoms, consumer staples, these are very traditional uh, defensive uh, sectors to look at. But even within these uh, favoured sectors, you need to be selective. Go for names that are, you know, that come with robust technicals and fundamentals. Uh, and and let's not forget gold. Um, interestingly mm-hmm. enough, uh, BIS, the Bank for International Settlements, they actually uh, came in on March 31st, uh, 2019. And they actually recognize gold as a tier one asset with a zero percentage risk weighting. That's equivalent to cash. So it's very real already. The flight to safety has been has been going on for, for about a year now. So uh, yeah, clients can or investors can also get gold. Um, when it comes to ETFs and mutual funds, uh, there are lots of advantages. You know, um, these funds are usually um, they are always uh, managed by a professional fund manager, so you get expert advice there. Um, the, some funds they provide dividend reinvestment uh, options. Uh, so what happens is that you you automatically purchase more of the units in the fund so that you grow your investment. And I think the most important when it comes to uh, mutual funds is uh, the risk reduction. They achieve these via via diversification. You know, uh, mutual funds they typically can can have anything from 50 to 200 holdings. Uh, ETFs, you know, uh, they track uh, indexes. Some of them put together a few indexes. Some of these have more than a thousand positions. So the risk reduction uh, from having a singular exposure is 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 uh, very much diminished. But I think more importantly, uh, if you are to go into ETFs or mutual funds now, the the important thing to note is the access to liquidity, because these these instruments allow you to the flexibility to actually withdraw um your your investment uh, you know without a locking period you right. know, and you need to be able to access your funds regularly during this time uh just in case if you need to top up on your cash reserves and whatnot all yeah. right. Before we let you go, gentlemen, and we've had a really solid show today, great insights. I want to ask you both to leave with a message for investors. Perhaps, what do you think about Singapore retail investors using cheap cash to load up on stocks? I mean, in the news, a 31-year-old insurance agent um, getting advances on three separate credit cards to about to, to the tune of $150,000 to open a share financing account at a local bank. So, you know, what do you make of that? And, and what is your final message to investors? Wilfred? Um, well, I, 
I wouldn't do that uh, because volatility is, is here to stay at least for the next uh, few months towards the end of the year. And you know, like I said before, if we're going to be investing or trading with money, we can't afford to lose. And if you're going to be borrowing money um, to trade, it's definitely money you can't afford to lose. It's going to affect your your trading and investing psychology. Uh, and you're going to make a lot of bad mistakes. So unless you're a really seasoned uh, trader with many years of experience, uh, I wouldn't recommend that. All right. Well, great insights from both of you. Thank you for being with us. Wilfred Lim and Adrian Chia, both executive directors of BMFA Wealth Management here in Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.